Alright, you white motherfuckers. All eyes on me. This is the Average Years Podcast. Yeah, what the fuck is up with the Dalai Lama? I woke up this morning to news about the Dalai Lama forcing a child to not only kiss him on the lips, but to also suck his tongue. What in the actual fuck? This is Mr. Fox, the I Refuse Podcast. Welcome to the I Refuse Podcast. It is I, Mr. Fox, a.k.a. Take It or Leave It, a.k.a. John Ham's athletic supporter. On the heels of Easter weekend, which, by the way, your boy Mr. Fox was looking mighty sharp down at the little Easter lunch this past Sunday. Wake up this morning to some very sick news in the organized religion. This time, it's not just the Pope. Like, the Pope's doing it and trying to cover it up and the Cardinals and shit. The Dalai Lama, an entity since the beginning of time that's been associated image-wise with giving healing and peace and serenity, this 21st century Dalai Lama, and he's been around for a good while, like, they get into these, these positions, these organized religion positions on good faith and shit just goes awry and Sinead O'Connor has been telling y'all since the early 90s that these dudes are sick so imagine you go over to India or you go over to the Philippines you go out of the country and you come to this place where just like the Cardinal and the Pope there's these older men in these cloths supposed to be of healing energy you in line to be blessed and in this crowded cathedral or crowded place where they, they do ceremonies you look up and there's a child on the Dalai Lama's lap. And not just like on his lap like Mall Santa reverse. Like on his lap of reverse facing him. And the Dalai Lama essentially coerces this kid to kiss him on the lips. Something that has I've never seen with any Dalai Lama or have known as it happened with any previous Dalai Lama. And these fuckers live to be a good 90 years old. If they're truly problematic, they probably don't make it to like 65. But this Dalai Lama, I believe, is the one that's been around since the 80s. What in the actual fuck? And don't you know, there's this, you know, we like to have this little discourse where it's just like, oh, 
separate the man from the title and this is just the way that it is. No, fuck that. Fuck that. Because nowhere in the book that I've seen or read, nowhere in the history of this particular title being in place have I ever seen some shit like that. You know, I'm well aware that the lines are blurred across the pond in some countries, but not every violation, every boundary that's crossed, every line that's crossed between not only two adults, but an adult and a child is cultural or religious. Like, it's time now more than ever that y'all just get yourselves into street smart mode and critical thinking mode that these are not just men of God. These are older men that are perverts, that prey on children. And y'all have been told this shit since the early 20th century. And what makes them predatory is that they happen to prey on the impoverished, the marginalized, the, the factions of society that don't have the money or means to fight back, that in some way... And you've seen this shit in doubt, like with um, Meryl Streep and Viola Davis' character. Like, those are actual, that's a real life type of situation where it's like, we don't have many options to put our child in such an established school like, him being in this school could open up a lot of doors. And so what if you are if you have a hunch? I can't go back to my husband with this kind of mess. So the cycle continues, right? So, the Dalai Lama has come out to apologize. And it's like, nah. You knew exactly what you were doing. And that apology was under pressure. And I wouldn't be surprised if this video, which wasn't edited, by the way, leads to further investigation. You know, I don't know what the government structure is over in that particular country where they are. It's probably loose as hell. Probably more militant, like... They're probably super vigilante style, super uh, into guns and stuff like that, but also super into religion and peace. And maybe their social hierarchy over there is different to where the Dalai Lama is the one with the most power and everybody else in government or of authority falling line like I saw that and it was just like ain't no fucking way cause had that shit happen up in Boston or in Chicago or 
down in uh, South Kakalaki, the FBI would have been on their ass if the powers that be hadn't already reassigned the guy. Because trust and believe, when it comes to church and state, it's definitely separate when it comes to power. Like, the church doesn't answer to the state. The government gives them write-offs, things of that nature. So this is nothing new. But that's the first thing I woke up to this morning. And then, you know, I was coming off of my Easter high and my Sunday high. I had my notes ready. You know, in the days leading up to the next episode, I have notes, right? So, Hulu, who has the streaming service platform that has been on a roll lately with these little flash in the pan documentaries maximizing the shelf life of a news story. Case in point, the Murdoch documentary. Hulu is coming out <laughs> with a Freaknik documentary. And not just of like a particular it's coming out of a, from a particular year but the year where shit was off the hook i believe they're coming out with a documentary covering covering 1993 1994 freaknik now i was in middle school which by that point Freaknik was the place to be. Like, Freaknik was so huge that the Fox TV show back in the day, Cops, did a whole episode or two at at Freaknik. People down there fucking on the street, people down there vandalizing, people down there pickpocketing. Like, whole lot of nonsense, whole lot of chaos going on. And people didn't care like about like SCIs and SCs, like you escape your nine to five, you want to escape your nine to five for the weekend, possibly the week. You go down to Freaknik for a couple of days Get loose, get drunk, get wild. And perfect time for people to do a lot of crime. Like the cops camera crew rolled up on a lady trying to act like she was um, picking something off the floor and giving it to somebody. But they had already got news that this lady had been pickpocketing people all throughout the freak neck. And I was like, Wow. That's the kind of shit. At one point, for a while, Freaknik was on par with Mardi Gras. And this is when Mardi Gras was wild, wild. Um, Uncensored. You know, Freaknik, they would cover HBO and Showtime would cover specials about Freaknik. But the, 
news of the documentary coming out soon has got a lot of y'all parents freaking out. And especially y'all that were born (laughs) between 92 and maybe 95. Like, a lot of y'all don't want to admit it. That y'all were conceived out of a drive a drive-by. Chances are if you and your mother share the the same last name, you write on you write on in there. And then y'all come out here on these dates talking like uh Kevin Samuels on, on dates talking about or rating women as wifey material when you got your mother's last name, please. <laughs> Freak Nick. And they're going to have a lot of footage because the camcorder was big back then. And which means there's a lot of footage that y'all parents do not want to revisit, revisit. Don't want, probably didn't even know it was out there. Pretty sure some of y'all will see our moms getting the brakes fucked off of her behind. Legs cocked open. Getting dug out over the railing of a fence behind somebody's house on some street near the Freak Nick. Oh, yes. It was the black spring break. Like MTV had their Cancun shit. We had Freak Nick. But the thing about it, it was. These are people late 20s, early 30s. And dressed as such. Going down there to fuck shit up and get fucked up. And come home to act like nothing happened. This Hulu documentary probably going to be like eight or nine episodes. It's going to explore the heyday, but also the demise of Freaknik. Because Freaknik didn't last that long. Like, it, it started to gain its feet right around the two live crew days. And then it lasted probably until like the mid 90s. So, if you listen to the I Refuse podcast, and you're black, right? And you're walking around the house, and you notice a change in Big Mama and your mama. It's probably because of this Hulu documentary. Because, baby, we were wild back in the 90s, and... You know, the video vixens are doing okay. You know, they're they're holding up all right, probably doing real estate or got a nice cute little yang 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 around the house. But Big Mama and them, they probably got four or five kids born between 93 and 96. Probably were a product of the Freak Nick. 22, fast as hell. 
and they're probably going to be in that documentary. <laughs> so uh, gather around, kids, when the documentary drops. Bring bring your parents, your uncles, that one drunk auntie that's now reformed that makes the bomb ass macaroni salad every family event. Get your popcorn and get into the Hulu Freaknik documentary. It's coming out soon. I'll be watching it. Because I was too young to even go. But I knew that shit was off the hook. Moving right along. Y'all ever find it funny? Maybe it was just me and my spidey senses. That... As soon as Bob Lee, the Cash App founder, was stabbed to death early last week in San Francisco, it comes a week after a report came out alleging fraudulent activity that activity that drove the stock price down. And then not even days after he was killed, did was it announced that Cash App was going to be under a new name? Just saying, like, I'm no Inspector Gadget, but something in the buttermilk ain't clean. And I saw and I saw the, the surveillance video from the story, right? Where the video, the surveillance cameras are inside of a business. It's not open. You see a... Um, a shadowy figure in the upper right-hand corner across the street. You see, which is followed by a car speed up, stop, then speed off. And then you see him kind of walking up to the glass doors, kind of stumbling a little bit, trying to open the doors or get somebody's attention. And then he eventually bleeds out. You know, I like I said, I'm no Inspector Gadget, but I kind of feel like that was possibly him. Because, like, why him? And why so many times? I know California is kind of buck wild, but sounds a little targeted to me. So down on the, the feed, the, the on the Bird app, you know, myself, Mr. Fox, and Lou Cipher of Hell is Around the Corner. Someone that I hope to have on the podcast one day. Hell is Around the Corner, a podcast I listen to every week. Go check that out. We're in the Twitter feed under a story that said Todd Chrisley's daughter while on uh, a different podcast, she wasn't over here, she was asked uh, about her father, Todd Chrisley's first year in jail or something, or first couple months in jail. And she says, gleefully, oh, he's loving it. He's, He's such a social butterfly. To which, in Lou Cipher's retweet of that story, says... Oh, he a butterfly, all right. And then I pipe in, yeah, Camp Cupcake. 
Because here's the thing. That you can't... You can't tell me... You'd have to... I'd have to be Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder combined... To be convinced that Ty Chrisley is not gay. That, and I mean not like romantically or socially, but like he to- he toys over there every once in a while and enjoys it. I think sexually he might be. Um, romantically... And socially, he's straight. But it wouldn't surprise me if he does a little um, gas station bathroom hookup or has in his past. Because here's the thing. You know, you have some people out here that believe because a man is with a woman or seen with a woman or hasn't come out, or has kids, that that person's, that he's not gay. Gay men have kids. And this story that that came out preceding his trial and conviction on the fraud and stuff, about the lover and everything... I think there's some truth to it. Because why you? Like there's nothing wrong with being gay. There is something wrong with insulting people's intelligence. And you can't tell me that part of the reason why the guy spoke is because the money dried up. And I'm telling y'all, you got to you got to do right by people that have that much access to your information and that much knowledge of your your fraudulent shit. And I saw like one or two episodes of Christly or Chrisley knows best. And I said to myself, what does he do to have all this? Like what? What was he before he got the show? But I, I bet he's opening up pretty fine down there at Camp Cupcake. And I retweeted that with um, my favorite gif of um, Mother Winslow on Family Matters. Her her credit scene, her opening credit scene when she comes out the house with the racket. The tennis racket over her shoulder. I know, just some things. So, we down here at the I Refuse podcast, we watched uh, Monique's um, comedy Netflix special. I give about an 8 out of 10. I must have replayed the special education bit with the special helmet. A little bit too preachy overall a little bit too preachy it came off to me like she had something to prove and 
a lot of people came into this, which makes sense, off of the 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 controversy, and went into it thinking, you know, for all the messes she caused, this better be good. And people walked away with a mixed reaction. It was just like, even on her less funny day, which those of us that have been outside for at least 20 years knows this is this is Monique's style. This is Monique's comedy. I, Mr. Fox, have seen Monique work live in the same comedy store in Baltimore where she started back in 87. She got her start at that same comedy place back in the late 80s. And Monique has steadily been working and doing stand-up. So, having seen that and having seen her one-night stand with Stan Latham, it was pretty good. Um, she definitely had a lot of material to work with. My feeling on the whole coming out thing, like, I think that was just a ploy to cover up the fact that she has threesomes with her husband. Because at no point, as long as I've been alive and as long as she's been a household name, did you even get that feeling that she actually is a lesbian? Like, I gotta be very conscious out here of people that use, that align themselves with the LGBTQ community or, ident- or you know, to identify as that under th- with the understanding that... Oh, you know, I let I let you look at my box. Okay. Do you date them? Because this lifestyle is just as serious to us to the point that we actually defend defend it against straight people. And you have people out here towing the line with it that are straight. Married to the opposite sex. And and the media have played with the open marriage narrative. Oh yeah, we didn't forget that once upon a time Monique said that her and her husband have an open marriage. We don't cheat. We don't get down like that. Too many times in my previous marriages... I've had to lie. I've had to to cheat and all this other stuff. But when you have a man that looks as fine as mine does, and yada, 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 yada. So it's just like, girl, just because you and you invite a, sec, a second or an additional woman or more into your bedroom does not make you a lesbian. Just because... You let a woman lick your box and you enjoy it. Does not make you a lesbian. It's it's kind of like the same. Th- a way of th- the, my, the same thought 
can be applied to people that are like, oh, well, you know, I don't need a man. I don't, I don't need, I don't need a dude, but bet y'all won't take that motherfucker off for child support. Talk about how independent you are. It's like, you're not about that life. You're not about that life. It's not cool to to like water down or simplify it to threesomes and open marriages and stuff because the optics reads like we're just a pair of shoes that you take out of your closet that you want to wear for a couple of hours and once you've had your pleasure and your thrill from it you throw us back in the closet now Monique you know I love you down girl but using the community as leverage to a punchline about church and how you've had to hold it and all this other stuff I'm like, girl, as long as you've been a celebrity and as long as you have been out in these streets, there's nothing that says you couldn't be that way. You've worked with Lee Daniels. How can, how could you not, or you felt the shame or something like, come on. What you talking about, Willis? But aside from that, my name is Monique, the Netflix special. Give it an 8 out of 10. Um, I thought she was coming out with a documentary. That would have been great. Maybe she still is. Once again, I was down on the Bird app. People were... Again, saying how it's not funny and it didn't, it's not for me and all this other stuff. And I'm like, she's a lot funnier than Drewski. People in the comments were like, what the fuck Drewski got to do with it? Well, if the topic is funny, nothing at all. Like, my thing is this, this generation right now, spoiled by the YouTube comedians, I'm putting in air quotes, spoiled by the YouTube comedians who, in the confines of their house, have made a following of editing, you know, cutting out or shortening stuff and getting straight to the funny parts. There isn't, like, a build-up. They can edit it in a way to present a particular thing. None of that translates or rarely translates to a stage and a tour. Like there were a lot of people that went to one of Drewski's shows where he tried to apply that same, that same YouTube shit to a stage. And it just looked weird as hell. I saw the footage. But people like Drewski and people like academics who 
are spearheading this movement where the number of followers and the the social media presence is more important than working the axe to the grind in the comedy places, doing open mics on the whim, trying out your material and getting better. Which is what is which is causing a lot of people. Sure, they can fill the seats, but the gas runs out, you know, quicker. I mean, but go ahead and pay your, you know, pay fifty, seventy-five dollars to watch uh, Drewski roll all over the place, and instead of telling a story, instead of having punchlines, working with wordplay, testing to truth what it means to be a comedian. I mean, the old school days of working your stuff out and that leading to opportunities and television shows and Netflix specials are gone. It's like there was a couple of years where I would go on Netflix and I would see all these comedians I've never heard of. I'm like, who the fuck is Ali Wong? For a time, she had more comedy specials than people that that were that are household names. I'm like, who is this Ali Wong chick? So anyway, it was just like people were sure it's not for you. You know, a lot of things out here are subjective. You know, it varies from person to person. But I I know that a lot of people tend to forget or let the controversy take up the air in the room to not see that at the end of the day, Monique is still a comedian. And Monique is still funny. And Monique is still a queen of comedy. And I laughed. Like, I laughed for a good 15, 20 minutes straight. And I saw T.S. Madison in the audience. So I don't know what. It could just be me. I mean, I wasn't elated or bummed or mad that she actually landed on Netflix. Um, I honestly think some more should have more stand-up specials on Netflix. Personally, you want to talk about somebody that's consistently funny and works it out in these clubs... Her and Adele Givens. But also it's like... Monique's stand-up special. Was her time to feel vindicated and... Show the rest of us... What it looks like to stand by your principles and your morals. Which was, I think, the point of the the whole thing... Like, it's moments like her testimony and her situation that shows some of us that are paying attention. Who would fold for the right amount? 
who would go above and beyond, sell themselves out for people or an industry. They don't care that you're having holidays with your family. Don't care. But some of y'all going to learn, if not on the front end, definitely on the back end. So we here at the I Refuse podcast have a segment called America Has a Problem. Let's get into that. America, America has a problem. So, y'all probably, this story probably hasn't gotten to y'all, but is it blew my mind last week about this lady, a white lady out of Southern California, San Jose to be exact, charged with illegally importing fentanyl and other synthetic opioids into the U.S. for mass, distrib- mass distribution. 65-year-old lady, name is Joanne Mar- Marion Segovia. Google that name. When I tell y'all, this lady looks like any nondescript white lady, mother, grandmother, great aunt, outside with the kids in front of Walmart selling Girl Scout cookies. Somebody's grandmother. Accused of having a scheme to not only bring the illegal drugs into the country, but to also distribute them throughout the country, right? She used her personal and office computers to order thousands of opioid and other pills for delivery to her home and agreed to distribute them elsewhere within the country. They say old girl for the last eight years had at least 61 shipments mailed to her home from various locations across the planet. Hong Kong, Hungary, India, and Singapore with the shipment manifesto declaring the contents as wedding party favors, gift makeup, or chocolate, and sweets. From July of 2019 to January of this year, officials were able to intercept five of the shipments and found they contained thousands of opioid pills and tramadol and tapatindol, which is similar to fentanyl. So, here's where you're really going to gag. She was the executive director of the San Jose Police Officers Association. Not only did she use the computers there, like state government computers, in her office to distribute the pills and drugs. But she also used her work account for the shipments. Even after being interviewed by the federal investigators, last month she continued to order the drugs. So as recent as March 13th, federal agents intercepted and seized a shipment in Kentucky containing drugs addressed to her. The shipment came from China on March 10th with contents listed as a clock. Listen, people went so hard, went up so hard for that border wall. When y'all got Joanne Marion Segovia over here the past eight years, 
buying, selling, distributing fentanyl within the country. The reason why I brought this story up is because this is one of those examples of, like, bias. Like, society continues to be conditioned to think negatively of us. In street clothes, you know, first impressions are everything, stereotypes and all this other stuff, but it's actually soccer moms and grandmothers with good state government jobs and well-to-do white men in suits and making six or seven figures negotiating deals upwards of like 50 million or more that are doing this shit. And here we are going into the fourth season of the fucking pandemic. People are down real bad, like real bad. So, you know, Miss Segovia, they, they going to fuck your life up real bad. And, of course, you know, there's going to be, like, co-workers and other step-for-wives down at the little lemonade stand, down at the little Girl Scout committee meetings, trying to raise money, start a little GoFundMe to help uh, her bail and get her out of jail because this is not who she is and this is not who we are and, you know, all that that white savior bullshit. But it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, even living comfortably and having a good life is not enough. Like the greed off the hook. And she was sloppy with it. Like, that little disclaimer, when you turn on your work computer, where it's like for government use only, tracking and monitoring, don't use this for commercial use or personal use. Yeah, that's not a suggestion. <laughs> Just like when the speed limit says 65, that's not a recommendation. Like, they're actually tracking your shit. Sure, you went to Amazon. Sure, you went and bought... Another box of Skin So Soft from Finger Hut or Reader's Digest on a government computer. They're, they're not, they're not going to give you a pink slip over that. They're not going to run that up into a town hall down, at the, down on the lower level of your office building. But for your dumb ass, at an executive level... To be this fucking sloppy and this fucking stupid. Like, you are part of the authorities. You don't think the government doesn't know? And a fucking white lady. Well, she look white. Fucking white lady. It's not us all the time. Wake the fuck up. America. America has a problem. So to all of you 
Bud Light or former Bud Light drinking motherfuckers that are up in arms because Bud Light has partnered with Dylan Mulvaney, a trans activist and an actress. You can gleefully blow it out your ass. So here we are, and of course, Kid Rock had to get in on it. You know, the same Kid Rock who started off as a rapper in an attempt to get to get on, and then when he realized that wasn't working for him, he decided to be some rock guy, rock pop guy. And then when he got tired of that, he was a country artist doing duets with Sheryl Crow. All the while looking like Master Splinter from the Ninja Turtles crossed with the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt. Master Splinter, Crypt Keeper hybrid, if you will. Like he has looked dehydrated since I was in high school. Since I was in middle school, actually. Because Ball with the Ball came out what, 98, 99, something like that, still looks dehydrated, decides to get on social media, bear his transphobic, homophobic, and racist soul by destroying already purchased Bud Light. And of course, other Patriots, putting that in quotes, Patriots, some politicians, some military veterans shedding their white tears, also destroying their Bud Light, decide to tell the rest of us that they're doing so and switching brands to Yingling, which coming from somebody that has lived in Pennsylvania for almost two years, back in my 20s, can tell you that Yangling beer tastes like toll booth change that's at the bottom of tap water. It tastes like white Pennsylvania poverty. Like, there is really no no such thing as good beer. But Yingling tastes every bit like Pennsylvania looks. But because Bud Light decides they want to partner with a trans woman, an actress, an activist, and by because you know she has a huge following, she has influence, great marketing device for Bud Light to appeal to Gen Z, which makes up a lot of a market they haven't. 100% tapped into yet, but can. I've never heard of Dylan Mulvaney prior to this, but good for her. 
Um, definitely a great tool for people that are on social media um, that use their platform to broaden their audience and integrate people. You know, a lot... You, For those of y'all that are transphobic, homophobic, racist, it will blow your mind when you get to the intersection of what a person does in their bedroom is none of their business, how the person identified doesn't take any food off of my table, doesn't take money out of my pocket, doesn't influence me one way or another. With the intersection crossing that says the hatred, the fear, the antagonism, the aggression that I have towards people that look different, identify differently, express themselves differently than I've been taught and raised or anybody that is from where I'm from has, is none of my business. Once you get to that intersection, it will blow your fucking minds. And then, like I often say, there are moments in American history as recent as yesterday Moments like these where it clears the air for a lot of us as to how people really are, to how people really feel about us when there's something of more value to them like beer or what figures on the bathroom door or what Starbucks is doing with their cup this year. That's y'all, y'all are showing y'all ass and y'all continue to, to where it's like, it was never about bathrooms. It was never about beer. Just like back in the 50s, it was never about water fountains. It was really another way for people, over 90%, being white, to use their power and their privilege to flex and push back against something that is not of any threat to them. Speaking of racism... America has a problem. You know, it's like Shakari Richardson all over again. And the thing about it is like my walk away from that situation is the reality that selective outrage and selective advocacy and opportunistic hot takes and shit like that are steeped in misogyny and racism. Because here you have a black woman in a sport, basketball, which is oftentimes more known 
for fights, shit talking, really getting wild. Angela Reese didn't fight anybody, didn't cuss anybody out. All Angel Reese did was do the Tony Yayo at Caitlin Clark at the Louisiana State University Basketball. It was NCAA Women's Basketball Championship. Upon she did the first time, pointing at the ring finger and mouthing something in Caitlin Clark's direction. Something about, I'm getting the ring and you're not or something. Then she did the Tony Yayo again later on. Solidifying that she had actually, she's actually going to win. And when she did, like she, she won, I think, MVP or something. Because she is the star. She is one of the stars, but she is one of the stars on Louisiana, Louisiana State University women's basketball team not the only one but she has a position on the team that is known to stand out and get getting the um the mvp ring but y'all were people were all up in arms about this and when i say people skip was up in arms about it and i think dana white was you know conservative, rich, white businessmen who claim to be about the sport but managed to, in the conversation, hang themselves, figuratively speaking, when addressing or speaking on a black woman. Oh, what she did was trash. What she did was classless. As if she was bringing down the entire stock of all of basketball. Mind you, women athletes, particularly basketball players, get paid significantly less. And I don't even think college sports you get paid at all. But at no other point, as long as women have been playing basketball, whether it's the WNBA or the NCAA women's basketball team. As long as they've existed, has there been this much conversation? Any other day, you wouldn't pay this any, any mind. But today's, but this situation, which wasn't even anything, had the white men's the executives, the power-hungry guys who make so much money hand over fist, more so over what they say. Getting up on their soapboxes, getting into their, their echo chambers, and getting on these podcasts, talking to their black subordinates, on podcasts, saying this kind of shit, spreading this rhetoric that plays right into racist stereotypes and misogynistic stereotypes, you know, 
or misogynistic expectations that men have of women. And it's it's knee-deep in inequality because it's like, if it was Larry Bird, Charles Barkley, LeBron James, Spreewell, um, hell, even if it was light, bright Stephen Curry, Steph Curry, y'all wouldn't say shit. Oh, look at that hero. Because here's the thing. It's like, they they look at certain things. People look at certain things, whether it's sports or sex or liberation and freedom as being f- for specific people. And they show their asses when they pipe up and see someone not of that expectation as a threat and a challenge. And then you get people that look like me who are on contract or in contract with people like Dana White and, you know, their bosses who they're in contract with but want to reiterate that, oh, while we're in partnership with this white guy, we own our podcast over here or we own our platform. Tap dancing, shucking and jiving, assimilating as I would say to bandwagon off of the same kind of rhetoric in a roundabout way to appease their boss oh well you know when we had that guy on here to talk about Angel Reese And he kept calling her Angela Reese, which already knew he was so unserious about what he was saying. You know, it's all, you know, everything is fun and games until the playback starts, right? Oh, well, you know, we don't, he's not a representation of us and, you know, we don't condone, you know, or support what he says, but you're still in business with him. common thread that rears his ugly head is when people are up in arms that outrage is heavy-handed problematic when it's us that is otherwise celebrated when it's the men and especially white men it's not about the athleticism it's about the race you know if it even looks like we're doing a sliver of what is deemed unprofessional even though it's light in comparison to our white counterparts the respectability politics comes out. Which is just discrimination in a thin white veil. Moving right the fuck on. America America has a problem. So, because I live in Maryland and I was down at the gym, this story came up while I was on the bike. 
So there's some traction in the Delang Delanio Martin murder. So not too long ago, I want to say not too long ago, um, in March actually. So before I get into the story, let me run this by you. So let's say you're a 17 year old asleep in the driver's seat of an SUV in Washington, D.C. on a Saturday morning. The SUV is running in park. At some point while you're asleep, a park police officer slips into the back seat of the SUV and tries to detain you. There is no initial conversation, there's no inquiry of some kind, there's no tap on the window to wake you up, your Miranda rights aren't even read to you. In response, to being spooked, you wake up and pull off, at which point the police officer draws his service weapon, repeatedly asking you to stop while already in the vehicle. You're driving, 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 you get shot at least five times, die, the SUV crashes into a house. That's what happened to 17-year-old Delano Martin. So where we are currently is the police body cam has been released, which shows the police officer that did it and his backup um, surveying this SUV that they have reason to believe was stolen. Put a pen in that while I go through all this. The body cam video shows that the police officers see a car that possibly matches the description of a stolen vehicle previously reported. Cops gather on the corner and discuss their plan to apprehend the teenager, with one officer acknowledging that the back window has a plastic cover on it. The rest of the video shows that the same officer get into the vehicle from the far right passenger door, and the rest goes as I had previously stated. An MPD officer arrived first and observed the occupant of the vehicle was asleep and the ignition was punched. The officer determined the vehicle was stolen, then called for additional units. Several officers from both agencies arrived and began discussing how to approach the situation, including the possibility of breaking the window and pulling the driver out. Once you break it, he's going to wake up, start it, and put it in a drive to go. We don't want nobody to get hurt when officers heard on the video. Since the release of the body cam footage and the story first reported, a federal civil rights investigation has been opened by the FBI and federal prosecutor. So to all of y'all out there that are still on some, oh, well, he shouldn't have been resisting and all this other stuff, the cops are trying other ways to detain people. Like, this is on the, this situation, the way they approached it, is definitely on the same line of stop and frisk from back in the day, where... Cops essentially didn't really need a reason to accost you or apprehend you. They went right past Miranda rights. You know, for the longest time now, it's oh suspicion and obstruction of justice and you're under arrest while you're resisting. Because you talk back and you know your rights and you want to know what's going on on your property. 
And thank God more of y'all more of y'all are buying these ring cameras. Because cops will try anything to escalate a situation to probable cause. Like you're not jaywalking, but you look suspicious. Now that you're in your house, we're going to get into it with your parents. Which is, of course, not going to go our way. And when it's not going our way, we are going to get upset. We're going to get our rate. We're going to get unprofessional. And there's nothing you can do about it. If that story sounds familiar, it's come out of small town Ohio that has been known to be racist. Like the cops who operate off of black men are suspicious. You know, you walk you walk away or you're walking to your house with your hand on your waist that's suspicious. You you gotta do what I say. All kinds of bullshit. But they'll they'll try anything to get a result. So where it stands with this Martin situation is the FBI and federal agencies have opened up a civil rights investigation into into the situation because no way were this person's rights not violated. And that whole thing could have been avoided had you not engaged. Secondly, first of all, then, you know, escalate the situation by drawing your service weapon. And that whole situation goes all the way back to when the states, some of these states, when a chase is underway, either by car or by foot, for the cops not to pursue. Because people get hurt. And in this case, not only did somebody get hurt, but they died. After you shot them five times. And still to the date of this recording, nobody's confirmed that the the car was actually stolen. Just a bunch of power-hungry cops acting on the suspicion that it was stolen or it was reported stolen. They, they just bypassed all the protocol and went full, full Rambo on a 17-year-old. Yeah, um, his parents are going to own the, the fucking city. So we here at the I Refuse Podcast have one final segment called Come Outside, We Won't Jump You. Come Outside, We Won't Jump You to Flo Rida, who hasn't had a hit since Obama was president. We want you to come outside real quick, bro. We would like some clarity. Your son falls out 
the window of a high-rise, falls 50 feet. Currently fighting for his life in the ICU, six years of age, you thank the fans for continued prayers, yet word on the curb is that you're not paying his medical bills. You have not stuck to the court order from 2018 that you're to contribute to his health insurance costs associated with his disability. This is in addition to the child support, which is $9,000 a month, and his, and his education. And this comes off of the heels of you winning that multi-million dollar lawsuit. What was it, the copyright infringement lawsuit against uh, a beverage company? What the Dr. Dre is going on? Like, bro, you could definitely wipe away your past debt with one check and be more present now for your son as he's fighting for his life at six years old on top of his disability. When I tell you men ain't shit, I mean men ain't shit. I was going to give y'all story time, but there is no story time this episode. This is Mr. Fox, the I Refuse podcast. Be sure to check out the rest of the I Refuse podcast here on this platform as well as seven other platforms. We also have a Twitter, at I Refuse podcast. Instagram, at I Refuse podcast, underscore between the words. Also, check out check out the spinoff, I Refuse podcast, After Dark, and the usual suspects with Myself and the Abstract Sagittarius. Also check out our YouTube channel, the I Refuse Podcast. You can't miss it. Hope y'all enjoyed that three-hour episode, Appetite for Destruction, last week. That was a lot of hard work and one of my favorite episodes since starting this podcast back in March of 2020. I know three hours is a lot, but we had a real in-depth conversation about liability and about law around food truck owners killing people on parking lots that they don't own. The the shit that'll come that'll possibly come that lady's way by way of that man's family and by the landlords of the commercial property, her food truck was on, including the parking lot, I believe. You know, sometimes we just get up here and shoot the shit, but other times we we are giving y'all free game. Because we be knowing shit. We be knowing. So I hope you enjoy the Refuse podcast as much as we enjoy making it. Continue to love and support. And we will catch you guys later.